is Albert Einstein, and he had what's called the theory of relativity. All right, so E equals MC squared. I want to give you a quote uh, from Einstein. We had one last week, but I like this one this morning. Einstein said, I want to know how God created this world, and I want to know his thoughts. Right? As brilliant as he was, as smart as he was, how he's changed the world and he lives on uh, throughout history for his intelligence, he said, I want to know more about God. This is his world. This is his creation. Uh, I'm not concerned. The, the quote goes on to say, the rest is just details. I'm not concerned with all the things I can figure out and all the things me and my colleagues can, can get into and discover. He says, I already know the end game. The end game is the knowledge of God. The end game is the one who created us and created this world that we live in. His theory of relativity, uh, it's based on a constant, which is C squared, right? That's the speed of light times the speed of light. And he says that that constant is going to produce an amount of energy. We talked about this a little bit last week. And the energy is relative to the mass uh, associated in this equation, right? So you have the constant of uh, e, uh, excuse me, C squared, speed of light times uh, the speed of light. You have energy that's going to be produced, and the amount of energy is dependent upon that M, which is the mass, right? So if you have a small controlled mass, let's say you have a small controlled mass of propane, your energy that's going to be created is enough to have a nice little barbecue. So we have a picture. Zach, you put that one up? So this is propane. I remember when I was growing up, how many of you grew up with charcoal? Praise the Lord, food tastes better, but nobody got time for that no more. We go and get some propane and our food tastes like gas, but it's all right. So it's controlled. It's a small amount, and you can control how much you're going to use. You can have a nice barbecue. Everybody can be blessed. Matter of fact, next picture, uh, our church bought two of these particular ones. See the little mini propane on the side for our feeding friends. Uh, outreaches that we do, we go out and we feed the community, right? So we could take our little barbecue pits, our little bit of prote uh, propane, small mass, but it can produce exactly what we want it to produce, right? Enough to have a barbecue and feed some folks. However, if you have a large mass of uncontrolled propane, you end up with problems. So this next picture, this is what happens when propane goes wrong. The mass was too much. They had too much stored. These things have a little pressure release valve on them, and the gas will start to seep out. If somebody's smoking a cigarette, it'll explode. And all these propane tanks exploded and destroyed this place. That's why we don't keep our propane here, right, in our little closet over here. It'll get hot and blow up the church, and people will be like, hey, that church is on fire. We're like, yeah, we know. No, the church is on fire. <laughs> so next picture. This, this is also propane. Too much propane. It destroys everything when it's uncontrolled, right? It's still the constant of C squared. It's still an amount of energy that's produced. What matters is the M or the mass, right? So last week what we saw is how important it is that Jesus represents the M. He is the only one that's perfect. He's the only one that's always going to give you what you want. You're never going to have uh, too little of Jesus so there's no impact and there's no influence and there's no change in somebody's life. It's impossible to have too much of Jesus, right, so that it explodes and you have all this death and destruction in your life. If Jesus represents the math, or excuse me, the mass of your life, the substance of your life, then things will work out well. The energy that he produces when multiplied by the Father, that C squared, the mass Jesus, multiplied by C squared, the Father, is called the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit gives us power when he comes into our life. Jesus told the disciples, wait for the Holy Spirit and he will endue you with power. It says in the Bible that it's the same power that conquered the grave will come and live inside of you and I. Right? There's something that's supposed to happen inside of us that's supposed to make us effective, supposed to allow us to change, supposed to allow us to have impact in the world that we live in. This morning, I think it's only fitting, though, that the M in our equation is going to represent our mothers this morning. We're going to see that a mother shows us the Lord, shows us Jesus, and shows us the power of the Holy Spirit in such a miraculous way. If we will slow down and look at moms, look at mothers, look at what God has done in them and what God does through them, it's literally a miracle. I've always said that it's hard to find a greater honor or miracle than God choosing to partner with women to bring life into the world. I think we just breeze over that too often. We don't consider it. Of all the things that God does, 
He says, I'm going to bring life into this world. I'm going to bring joy into this world. And he's God. He can do that any way he wants. And he says, I choose women. I want to partner with them. I want them to carry this life. I want them to nurture this life. I want to provide for this life literally through this mother. And I think it's uh, miraculous, and I think it's worthy of honor. The great challenge for a mother, though, is to bring life into the world, then to do all that they can to protect that life and to nourish that life, while at the same time there's an enemy and there's a world that is doing everything they can to destroy that life. God says, I want to partner with you. I need you. I want you. I choose you. Nurture this life. Take care of it. Bring it into the world. Then protect it. Provide for it. Make sure that it grows healthy and strong. And then at the same time, there's this enemy saying, I want to kill that life. I want to take that life. I want to destroy that bond. I want to destroy this relationship. We're here this morning, amongst other things, to remind all the mothers and everyone else here just how powerful God is who lives inside of a mother. Just how powerful he is, what he's capable of doing uh, if we've forgotten. I'm going to share a quick video. I think it reminds us of the battle, the great battle that uh, our mothers are fighting. Zach? Pray. Lord, we thank you for mothers this morning. We ask you that you would help remind all of us that, that all of our children are sick, Lord God, that death is coming for all of them, that the enemy is coming for all of them, Lord God, but you've blessed us with mothers, and you've given them a strength, and you've given them your spirit. Remind us that all of our hope is in you, all of our help is in you, Lord God, that salvation can only be found in you, Lord God. We ask that you would uh, give us all an understanding this morning of the value of the women that you placed in our lives, uh, the value of the women that you placed around us, Lord God, and that you have a plan, and that you have a purpose, and it's perfect, Lord God. Help us this morning to honor these women. Help us as we go from this place to continue to honor these women, Lord. Give us a heart of repentance, Lord, if we haven't done so thus far, Lord, that those things would be able to change this morning, Lord God. Lift up the mothers. Let them be encouraged. Let them be strengthened this morning, God. And uh, the children, let them honor uh, their mothers the way that they deserve. Lord, have your way over this service. Have your way over your word. We love you and we love them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. So that video is a little bit tough. It's about sick kids, right? And as I watched it and you, you see these women and they're struggling because there's only so much they can do and they're broken and they're tired and they're hurting and they still have to keep going. If there's one thing that I've seen in the mothers that I'm around is that they just keep going, right? They say they want to quit, they kick you out of the house and then the next thing you know they love you and they're bringing you food. They just never quit. They never give up. They never stop. They never get to take a day off. They never get to be tired. I remember when we had kids, you know, our, our firstborn was, was born in, uh, in 08, and I was like, I'm going to be the best dad ever. I'm going to wake up every night. I'm going to help feed. I'm going to do all that. That lasted like two weeks. The second one, the baby girl came, and I was like, babe, I'm just going to make it so easy for you to get up. 
I'm not gonna, you don't have to do anything else all day, but I ain't going to do it. I ain't going to be able to get up. And she was strong. She took care of it. The third one, I didn't even try. I don't even know what happened to him. He's four years old now almost. <laughs> I don't know how it happened. But there's something, I always say this, and it's not a cop-out. God put something special in you guys. If you left it up to men, babies would starve. <laughs> They'd be filthy. Nothing would ever get accomplished. But women don't quit. Women don't quit. They don't give up. I love this video because the women, they had to talk themselves into keep going, right? You saw them start praying. You saw them say, get up. You can do this. Get out of the car. Get out of the shower. Go into the hospital. Do what you have to do to love on these children. And it's an honor. So what we're going to do this morning with our series on relative righteousness, we're going to look at the relative righteousness of two mothers in the Bible. These two women had significant differences in age, in their life experience, in their circumstances, but they also had some miraculous similarities in their lives. That constant that we talked about, that C squared, that God multiplied by God, infinity times infinity, unbelievable power, unbelievable wisdom and knowledge, they both had that in their life. They both had God. They both knew God. They both experienced God. But the E or the energy or the moving of the Holy Spirit in their lives was relative. Each one had different situations. Each one had different circumstances. So what you saw in their lives as far as God moving and the power of God and people being able to witness what God was doing, uh, it was different for them. It was relative to their situation, right? Did you know that we can all serve the same God and we can all give him uh, the best of us and we can end up with a hundred different outpourings or expressions of what that will look like in the world? We can't be so quick to say that every time uh, we look at somebody's life and we may feel like God's not moving, that's because they don't know the Lord or because they live lukewarm or because they have sin in their life. That's not necessarily always true. Sometimes it's just a difference in circumstances and God reminds us that everything's in his timing. Don't we wish that if you just did X, Y, and Z, it would produce what it produces for everybody? That's all you did and you got married? Okay, I'm going to do that. That's all you did and you got a job? Okay, I'm going to do that. But God is not like that. He's very, very personal, and he has timing for each and every one of us. If we don't seem to see the power of God or the spirit of God in somebody's life, it's not because they're in sin all the time. And it's not because they don't love the Lord. Right? We're going to see that this morning in the lives of these two, these two women. One is a young woman who was uh, very fertile, and God just blessed. The other is an older woman who uh, was barren uh, and struggled quite a bit. But we're going to see that again. They both love the Lord. The scripture is just going to be Luke chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. It'll, it'll come up for you. But that's where we're going to be this morning. Luke chapter 1. If you're there, say mom. <laughs> mom, turn there for me. Amen. Luke chapter 1, or mama, or whatever you call her, mama, mother, any others, mommy, hey lady, you get yourself in trouble, don't call her by her first name. So Luke chapter 1, I'm going to read from verse 5 says, there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron. That's the priestly line. Somebody say amen. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all his commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both well advanced in years, so it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. The whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. I'm going to jump down to verse 24. After those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Amen. Stop there. 
So this is Elizabeth, and this is her story of, of uh, having a child. First question is, how can you be blameless and barren? Right? We just talked about this. This woman, it says, was blameless, that she, she served God. She was righteous, yet she was barren. Which means what we have in our lives, sometimes the fruit, sometimes the blessings, it's not a curse. And it's not because she did something wrong. Too often, again, in the church, when we look at people who are going through things, when we look at people who don't have things, we say they're cursed. They must not be honoring God. You're getting what you deserve. You made your bed, now sleep in it. But that's not the story that we see here with Elizabeth. She was faithful. She was blameless and barren. She wasn't lukewarm. She didn't deny God. She made more faithful than a lot of us probably could have. I think there's out there who are trying to figure out what they did wrong in their children's lives and why their children may be suffering and why their children may be going through things. What did I do wrong? What should I have done better? How come I wasn't more? How come I didn't go further? How come I didn't do X, Y, or Z? And again, what we should be doing, what these mothers should be doing is seeking the Lord to say, Lord, will you give me clarity? Will you show me if I'm carrying burdens that I shouldn't be carrying? When I look around so many times at, at mothers, they're carrying the burdens of their children on their back that are not theirs to carry. God didn't say, you screwed up, so carry this burden. You screwed up, so take this for the rest of your life. No. You did what you were supposed to do, but it's in God's timing. He doesn't want you to carry these things around for the rest of your life, depending on the, the decisions that we make as children that your children have been. In many ways, your barrenness is not some kind of curse. Just remain faithful. It said also, not only was she blameless, it said that she was well advanced in years. The thing that I thought about with Elizabeth, she's old. Just like in the Old Testament when it talked about Abraham and it talked about uh, uh, Sarah and how advanced in years they were and that the womb was already dying. I think it's interesting, I won't get into it too much, but I think it's interesting that this woman, Elizabeth, even though she was well advanced in years and so was her husband, they remained intimate, right? How easy do you think it would have been to say, well, my womb is dead. There's nothing going to be produced of this. There's no reason for me and my husband to stay close and to be intimate and to make sure that he feels loved and to make sure that she feels loved, but she didn't do that. She stayed intimate with her husband. I think it's important for us to see kind of how she was developing. I think she spent a lot of years preparing to become a mother, even though she thought she was spending all those years of God preparing her to be barren, to be childless. Does that make sense? As she goes through year after year, she's saying, I'm going through this because God's going to make me strong because I'm never going to be a mother. I'm going through this because God has to teach me how to love other children, even though I'm not going to have children of my own. A lot of times we think we know what God is doing and we don't. God spent a lot of years preparing her to become a mother and the whole time she thinks she's learning how not to be a mother. What do you think this morning God is preparing you for? You better be careful. It's not always what we think. It's not always going to turn out the way that we think it's going to turn out. She was preparing and training for a long time in her life for something that she didn't even know was going to happen. It made me think that a mother's job is never over. A mother's job is never over. I look at, at uh, mothers of, of toddlers, and it's so hard. Right now, Mary's been telling me, she's like, I don't care where we got to go. We got to find a school for Nile to start like now. He's got to get out for a couple hours. Because it's hard to take care of these kids all day, right? And then they get to a certain age, and it gets worse. And those, those of you that have teenagers and puberty and all that kind of stuff, it's just like, I already, I'm already planning for when they all leave the house, you know. 18, they got to get out. Go to college, get a job, I don't care what you do, get out. I'm already planning vacations and what me and Mary are going to do and how the ministry is going to be and all that kind of stuff, right. But the truth is, a mother's job is never over. When they're 18, it ain't over. When they're 25, it ain't over. When they're 40, it ain't over, right. I still believe, like I said, I spent some, some good time with my mother yesterday. We took her, uh, kind of tried to spoil her a little bit, and she does this thing where she just is obnoxiously spoiling to the kids. We went, and they, I said, no, you can't have any ice cream. She bought them ice cream. No, you can't have candy. She gave them giant bags of candy. And then she wants them to go and, and play in the 
water, and I'm like, I don't want them to play in the water. They got to get back in the car. So I'm constantly saying no, and then I'm watching her. This morning, last night and this morning, I was thinking how hard she begged and pleaded for them to be blessed, right? She wanted them to have ice cream. She wanted them to have candy. She wanted them to be able to go play in the water. She said, what if they just put their feet in? I said, I know my children. They won't put their feet in. It starts with a toe, and next thing you know, it's slip and slide. But I kept thinking about it. I said, I said, you know what it is, is in her experience, she probably looks back on having kids, all of her kids being grown. Now she has grandchildren. And what she knows now is it's better to bless them and let them get in that water than to do what I wanted to do, right? Amen? So I still didn't let them get in the water. <laughs> but I thought about it. You know why? Because mother's job is never over. She's still mothering me, right? She's still showing me something to teach me something that will be father, make my wife a better mother. The job's never over. So for all of you mothers who are here in this place or people who haven't become mothers yet, believe me, God still has some training for you. You have not arrived. There's still more work to do. Another thing about Elizabeth, she continued to honor the Lord while not pretending that she was not in pain or that the reproach she felt from people wasn't real. Does that make sense? She honored the Lord. She served God, but she didn't act like it didn't hurt. She didn't walk into the church and be like, oh, it's no big deal. I'm blessed with heaven's best. No, she said, look, it hurts. And I'm tired of people looking at me because I'm barren. I'm tired of people treating me like a second-class citizen because they all have kids and I don't. But you know what? I don't care about that as much as I care about honoring the Lord. She served God while in pain and while suffering, and while being ridiculed by other people. I think that's an encouragement to all the women, but especially also to all the men this morning. We have to serve God even with all of our problems and all of our drama. Don't pretend like it's not happening. That doesn't help anybody. It's real, and it hurts. Somebody say amen. But serve God anyway. Another thing about Elizabeth, she supported her husband and honored his ministry, right? Imagine this, all these years she's serving God and we're going to be in ministry and God's going to bless us. And now all of a sudden she's bar uh, barren. She doesn't have the respect of the community. But she doesn't tell her husband, hey, we ain't going to do that church thing. And I don't care about your ministry. I don't care how God wants to use you. Imagine this, year after year she keeps allowing him to serve God as a priest. She keeps encouraging him to go in there and, and light incense and pray to God and honor God and pray for other people. Even in the midst of her situation or circumstance. She didn't withhold from God because she felt like she had been slighted. She didn't withhold from God because she felt like she had been mistreated or that she was suffering unfairly. She said, you know what? It hurts, but I love you, Lord, and I'm glad that my husband loves you, and we're going to serve you. And we're going to pray for other people, and I'm going to release him to go to the church and do what he has to do to minister and to pray and to be one of the priests, and I'm going to be here as a faithful wife. I think we can learn so many things from Elizabeth, and all we hear about her is just a little bit in the Bible. But she's an amazing woman. And the last thing that she did when she finally got her blessing late in life, after remaining faithful all those years, she humbled herself instead of boasting. When she got pregnant, it didn't say that she walked into the church and kicked the door down and had a shirt on that said, it's a boy. It said, it's my turn, ha, ha, ha. She didn't do that. Which a lot of us would have done. It would have been all over Facebook for everybody to see. But she didn't do that. What the Bible says is she humbled herself and she hid herself for five months. She said, the Lord gave me this child. I'm going to go spend some time with the Lord. Right? She said, the Lord allowed me to be strong enough to get through all these years of reproach and the Lord will remove my reproach. I don't have to post it. I don't have to have a shower. I don't have to tell everybody what God has done for me. The same way that he gave me the child, he'll remove my reproach from the community. God is in control. The humility of this woman uh, it just, it leads me to want to honor her for years and years of faithfulness. If you've ever seen somebody wait for something for a long, long time and then finally get it, and we all get to rejoice because we know they deserve it. We've seen other people get it, but they stole it. We've seen other people get it, and it just got, kind of fell into their lap. And then you've seen the people who have worked and worked and worked, and then they finally get it. I think not only does the Lord, but, but real believers, true believers who have their eyes open, we rejoice for those people because we feel like, man, your faithfulness, I'm so glad it paid off. All those years when you were faithful, all those years when you stayed, all those years when everybody else quit, when other people got what they wanted and then they took off when they got it, you didn't get anything and you stayed. That's Elizabeth in the Bible. There's another woman you can read about her. I'm not going to talk about her this morning, but I'm just reminded of her. Uh, her name is uh, Anna, and she's in Luke chapter 2. So when you leave, go read the next chapter. 
And it says that she was a widow and she did the same thing for like 50 years. She stayed in the church. Stayed in the church. And you know what happened when Jesus was born? They brought him into the church and she was the only one there. Because she stayed in the church. She got to be the first one, one of the first ones to meet the Lord. Because even though she was a widow and she lost what she had, she honored the Lord. So the other woman, you have this one. She's barren. Takes her a long time to receive her blessing. The other woman in Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 26, says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also... That holy one who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So these two women, it says here that Mary was highly favored and blessed among women. She was young, she was a virgin, she was pure and just and falling in love and getting engaged. That's where she was in life. Didn't even know too much about life. Most people say that she was probably like 14, 15 years old maybe, right? Young, pure, just fell in love with this dude named Joseph. He's coming around on his camel. <laughs> hey girl. And go down to, to the river, take a little stroll. And it says that for whatever reason, she was highly favored by God and she was blessed. When you've got this other woman, if, if you ask the people in the church, the church back then and the church today, who had the more difficult road, the more difficult life, who honored God, who honored God longer, who endured more, so why is it that Elizabeth, who went through all that and had to spend years of life going through it, and then you got this young little girl, Mary, and she gets pregnant like that? She gets everything she wanted just like that. It ain't fair. Say it ain't fair. Don't tell anybody else. <laughs> Listen to her response, though. We're going to look at these two women, the relative righteousness. When the angel shows up to her and says, you're blessed, you're highly favored, God has seen you, you're chosen, you're going to have a boy, it's gonna, his name is going to be Jesus. She says, how can this be? See, last week we talked about the appropriate response to God when he shows up, when he speaks into our life, when he challenges us, when he blesses us, there should be an appropriate response. And we talked about how if we are not used to being in the presence of God, we won't respond appropriately because we don't know that he's there. Or we don't believe that he's there. Or we don't understand or we don't hear his voice so we can't respond the way that we should. Mary responds appropriately here. She says, I know you come from the Lord. I appreciate the fact that I've been chosen, that I'm going to be blessed. She says, but I just don't understand. How can this be? I've never known a man. How is it possible that you're going to give me life? How is it possible that I'm going to be blessed among women? How is it possible all these things are going to happen? She responds appropriately with the right question. God, how are you going to do this? And the angel says to her, the power of the Holy Spirit is going to do the impossible. The power of the Holy Spirit is going to do the impossible. I think that if we would listen for the Lord, if we would be in his presence, if we would seek the Lord, and then when he tells us something or shows us something, if we wouldn't say that's for other people, I'll never be able to do that. I'll never be able to go there. I'll never be able to be involved in that. If we, instead of doing that, we would just respond and say, okay, Lord, well, how are you going to do that? Because right now it ain't looking too good. <laughs> I don't know anybody in my family that's had that. How are you going to do that? 
I come from a broken family, divorced family, alcoholism, violence, not a single successful marriage, nobody going past high school. Okay, Lord, you're going to make me a husband. You're going to give me education. You're going to give me stability. You're going to make me a father. Okay, Lord, how are you going to do that? How is that possible? And he says the same thing to me that he says to you that he said to Mary. The power of the Holy Spirit will do the impossible. He told her, you know what he told her? He said, uh, do you think it's impossible that your aunt or excuse me, your cousin Elizabeth, who's old and barren and ridiculed and looked down upon, you think it's impossible for her to ever be blessed? In case you didn't know, she's pregnant now. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He does the impossible. What's impossible in your life this morning, and why aren't you talking to the Holy Spirit about it? So she says she's troubled and she's afraid. It's not like she's super excited, right? Because... We want, to be, we want to be blessed, we want to have children, we want the power of the Holy Spirit, but then he also says, you're going to get pregnant, and I know you're engaged, but he ain't going to have anything to do with this, and everybody's going to treat you like uh, you're a harlot, and that you got pregnant out of wedlock. So she's troubled, even though there's a blessing. How many of us have been troubled with the blessings of God? You get saved dramatically, and you don't want to drink anymore, but now you're troubled because you got family functions the next couple weeks. It's summertime and 4th of July is coming around and everybody already planned a trip to Vegas. And now you're troubled because you've been changed. Well, Lord, I appreciate the blessing, but there's going to be some challenges associated with this. Everybody wants to be uh, chosen by God and blessed by God and used in the most miraculous way by God. But believe me, there's some challenges that come along with that. And Mary says to the angel, I'm a little worried. I'm troubled. You know, he tells her, be courageous. Be courageous. What you have ahead of you is way more valuable than what you're going to leave behind. The blessings of God and the honoring of God is way more valuable than the people you think you might disappoint because you no longer want to do the things that you used to do. You no longer want to go to places you used to go. You're a mother now and you have a child to take care of. It doesn't matter what anybody has to say about you. You know what the Lord has to say about you. So then she responds appropriately again. Say again. Most of us respond appropriately to the Lord at least once. We say, Lord, I feel you. Yes, save me. Forgive me of my sins. But we have to keep responding appropriately to the Lord. Once is not enough. She says at the end, let it be to me according to your word. That's the appropriate response. All right, Lord, if this is what it's going to be, then let it be. If this is what it's going to cost, then let's pay the cost. If this is your plan and your will for my life, then let it be. You know, we tell a lot of uh, specifically, mostly young women, because they just hold out so much hope for these terrible young men. <laughs> it's true. Don't be mad at me. They just have so much faith in these young men that if they don't know the Lord, you need to put your faith in the Lord and not in these young men. But we tell them all the time, look, God has a plan for your life, and I don't think it includes him. If it did, he'd serve the Lord, he'd be filled with the Holy Spirit, and he'd lift you up, and he'd help you become everything that God wants you to become. But since he's not, that's God saying, that ain't the one. You look at Joseph, and again, this ain't about fathers, this is about mothers this morning. But you look at Joseph, I'm sure Mary was thinking, dang, I just got engaged. He's good. His family got two camels. <laughs> he loves me. And now she has the will of God in one hand and her own hopes and dreams in the other, right? She's got God's plan for her life and God's plan for the world. <laughs> and she's got what she has planned for herself, right? And she doesn't go hiding. She doesn't say, you know, Joseph, you know, we're gonna, I'm going to go for a while. No, she does. She comes and she's like, here it is. This is what the Lord said. This is what's going to happen. I don't care. If you really love me, and if you know me, and you know the woman that I am, you're going to trust me. You're going to believe me. And he didn't. But it's okay. She did what she was supposed to do. And then you know what God did? God supernaturally showed Joseph what the truth was about his wife-to-be. But Mary kept her faith in the Lord. Again, I don't want to spend too much time on, on this, but I want to say something about the Virgin Mary. Sometimes in the Christian church, we rebel against Mary because of idol worship. She's not Jesus, and she's not on Jesus' level. I'm sorry. Read the scriptures and see what it says about her. She's just not. However, she's super amazing. She's amazing. To be that 
and to have this put on her shoulders. How many of our teenagers, we just, we just lifted Bella up at 12 years old, right? I've seen my nieces and nephews go through our group. I've got a dog be there shortly. How many of them do you think can handle the burden that was put on and be the woman that Mary was and have the strength that Mary had, right? She's amazing. And then to watch her raise this child, which we're not going to talk about again today either, but watch how she raised him and watch how faithful she was and watch how she was there at the end, even when he was crucified. She doesn't have to be God to be honored. Does that make sense? She doesn't have to be prayed to to be honored for who she was. She was amazing. She was special. And God blessed her. That's what he said, blessed among women. So you have these women who have these promises from God. They re they're going to become mothers. What's vitally important after that is beyond the pregnancy and beyond the birth, right? We tell people when they're going to get married, most people spend all their time focusing on the wedding day, and they have no idea that there's a marriage that comes after. Anybody that's been married for more than like two weeks, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> wedding planning is fun. Even if, like the men, if we're engaged or not, it's still fun. Call me when we're going to do the cake testing. Call me when we're going to do the food testing. Flowers, you can have whatever color you want. Here's what the guys are going to wear. I mean, it's, it's fun. It's exciting. But most people aren't preparing to actually be married. What do you mean you're going to be, what do you mean? You don't look like this all day, every day? You don't wake up like this? I expect to wake, when I wake up, I want you looking like this. I want the Nikes on, all fresh, <laughs> hair did, makeup, all that. Every day when I come home from work, that's what I want to see. I want to smell food when I hit the driveway. That's not a reality. It's the same thing with parenting. Every woman wants to be a mother, right? They want to get pregnant. They want to have a baby. But moms, man, sometimes it, I'm sure you guys feel this way. Can we put it back? <laughs> I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. But there's more work that needs to be done. Somebody say amen. I'm going to show you a video about, about that very thing, what, what comes afterwards and, and what we make of these children that God blesses us with. I don't know if I just like inspiration or if I just love moms, but that one made me cry, man. It's like, we could do so much if mom just says you can. <laughs> and you wonder why when people do amazing things in sport, they never get on TV and say, I just want to say I love you, dad. <laughs> they always show the love to mom, right? Because mom's that heart, right? In our house, I, I wish it was that way. You know, Mary last night said that there was a spider on the wall. I looked at Nate. I said, let's run. Mom can handle it. These women, the elevator's going down. They're getting in car accidents. They just quickly, they just 
it's going to be okay, baby. We're going to make it. I'm sure many of us can look back and remember those kind of experiences where you didn't think it was going to be okay. And for whatever reason, mom had the strength and this love and this ability to give you uh, comfort. It's amazing what they do. So I want to look at these boys that uh, these women had and what, in many ways, their mothers uh, were able to help them become. First, Elizabeth, her boy is named John. In Luke 1.14, still in chapter 1, it says, You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. He'll turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he'll also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn their hearts, turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to ready a people prepared for the Lord. That's a lot of pressure to put on a mom, isn't it? She's about to be pregnant. She's barely in the early stages, and God says, oh, by the way, here's what you need to make him become. He's got to be amazing. He's got to lead people to God. He's got to make the way straight. He's got to live a life that's so much different than the lives of the other boys that are going to be in the community. All those boys, all those years, Elizabeth, that you watched and you said, I want mine to be like that. I just want one and I'll let him do this and I'll let him do that. I'll let him go there. He says, nope, I have bigger plans for your boy. A lot of responsibility on your plate, Elizabeth. He has to become these things and I trust you to do it. The mother's ability to shape and mold a child's life is another unexplainable miracle, if you ask me. You have the tools, you have the keys in your hand. What they're going to become, in large part, is what a mother tells them they can become and what they should Elizabeth raised John in a way that proved she believed what she heard God say, right? He had to become these things, and we know that he did, which means his mother did a good job of raising him. If a mother can hear God speak... And say, you know what, I hear you, Lord, I believe you, Lord. If that's what he's supposed to be, then that's what he's going to be. And then she has to be strong enough to stick to her guns. Mothers have to stop giving up the authority. Mothers have to stop trying to love their kids into being their friends and continue to be their mother. I don't care what your friends do. I don't care what you want to do. I don't care that you tell me you hate me and that I don't love you and I don't let you do what you want to do. My job is to be mom, not friend. I don't want to get caught in the friend zone. I want to raise you to your destiny and to your purpose. I heard God tell me what he has for you, and I will not stop until you obtain it. Don't give up. Kids will come back. It's okay. Make it hard on them. Mothers, even if they want to quit, even if they want to leave, let them go. They'll come back. Food is good at home. Love is good at home. A roof over your head is good at home. My mother took me to the courthouse and tried to emancipate me at 15 because I wanted to flex. And when we got to the courthouse, I said, Mom, I'm sorry, I'll act right when we get home. <laughs> but she didn't say, well, well, let's just be friends and we'll treat it like our house. I ain't paying no bills there. It's your house. How many times do you think John heard the voice of his mother saying, Son, you're called for greater things than wine and strong drink. Isn't that what God told her before he was even born? Your son ain't going to be like everybody else. He ain't going to be addicted to drinking. He ain't going to have even wine because he has a purpose and a destiny to lead people back to God and prepare them for the coming of the Messiah. I'm sure he was tired of hearing that when he was a teenager, when the friends were going down to Galilee. <laughs> right? But he kept hearing his mom, no, son, that's not how we're going to do this. No, son, God has more for you. I heard my mom say a lot of things like that that I didn't want to hear. And now I find myself telling my kids the same things. You know why? Because it's true. And it's love. It's not hate. It's love. What about Mary's boy? Luke 1.32 says, he'll be great. He'll be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Your son's going to be amazing. He's going to be a king. You need to prepare him to be all these things, right? You've got the woman that had a long season of barrenness. She had to raise her son to live pure, right? To be honorable, to be an honorable young man. And then you have the woman that had the early pregnancy, and she had to raise her son to be God and save the world. See how it's relative? 
She suffered a long time in her regular life, but then when she had her child, it was just like, just raise them good, raise them to be righteous, raise them to be pure. Then you had the woman that seemed like she got super blessed because she got pregnant just like that, and she had her family just like that, and an angel revealed her worth and value to her husband. But then when that child shows up, God says, hey, by the way, your son is God. By the way, no pressure, mom, but your son has to save the world. Any moms out there that think that you've, you've failed in some way, shape, form, or fashion, remember that this same Mary lost her Jesus when he was 12. And she knows he's God. And she knows he has to save the world. God's not asking mothers to be perfect. He's just asking you to be there. Be the woman that he created you to be. How many times do you think maybe Jesus, his mother, saying, son, stop pretending like you're not perfect. Stop pretending like you're not holy. You're special, son. You're holy. You're powerful. Later on in the story, doesn't it say that she would tell him to do things, even to perform miracles? The first miracle we see him do, isn't it interesting that he didn't do it for all kinds of people? He didn't do it to save the world. He did it because his mom wanted to bless somebody at a wedding. She was a special woman. So I want to close with this. What I think is the most important aspect of motherhood like I said earlier, I think the most important thing is the fact that motherhood is a job that never finishes. Not everyone will be a mother, but everyone has a mother, right? Not everybody's going to physically go through that process of bringing a child into the world, but God has already supernaturally made it so that we know what it's like to have a mother or we know what it's like to be a mother. We know what it's like to long for a mother if we're estranged. So we never know when God is going to remove reproach in a woman's life. We never know when God is going to say that this child needs a mother, whether it's biological or not. How many of you had somebody that was not your biological mother love on you like a mother at some point in your life? Just look around at that. They're so valuable. How many of us are being prepared to do that now, though? What was done for us, are we doing that for others? To me, motherhood transcends pregnancy. It transcends birth and it transcends blood, right? Motherhood is bigger than just being pregnant. Motherhood is bigger than just going through labor and bringing a life into the world, and motherhood is about a whole lot more than just the same blood running through your veins. In this church, uh, when I look at my kids and the women that mother them in this church, even in children's church, I think about Miss Vicky, who's on vacation right now and how she's mothered my children in nursery, all of them. Niall's about to be the last one to go through but I, I watch how they talk about, like, Miss Vicky, Kathy in there, my mom teaching them in the nursery. They need that. I think it's easy for us to understand that God is a father, but we forget that everything we know about motherhood came, comes from that same God. Does that make sense? When we think about God, God is our father, and he's an authority, and he's a protector, and he's a provider, and he's strong, and he's all this stuff. There is no mother God. So anything we feel from a mother, it comes from the same God. He put that into women. He's blessed them with that in order to be a blessing to us. There's something eternal about the father. There's something eternal about, uh, about the son, right? Us having the, the sacrifice that he made for us and then us having a brother, a big brother that goes on forever, right? It says that he's the first fruits. Right? And then we become siblings, we get adopted into that. I believe that there's something eternal about motherhood as well. It's not going to disappear when we get to heaven. This feeling of connection, this feeling of love, this feeling of provision, this feeling of sacrifice. We hear about women lifting cars up off of their children. They become superhuman strong because the, the bond of love and protection is just off the chart. 1 Corinthians 15.45 puts it like this. It's written... The first man, Adam, became a, a living being, but the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. I think the spirit of motherhood is a life-giving spirit that any woman who wants it can have it. Let me say that again. I think the spirit of motherhood is a life-giving spirit, and any woman who wants it, you can have it. You can seek God and say, look, I may not be a physical mother, but I want to be a spiritual mother. My kids may be grown and gone, but I want to be that mother for somebody else and in somebody else's life. I heard Mary announce it. She said, mother, daughter, T, if you and your mom want to go, if you have a daughter that wants to go, go. But there may be some other girl that doesn't have a mother that can go. 
Take her. Take that spirit. Ask God to give it to you, a loving, nurturing spirit that will help these children become what they're supposed to become and go where they're supposed to go. This morning I had to make like 18 Happy Mother's Day calls because I've had that many women in my life be that. And I think it's, a, it's an honorable thing for all those different mothers that I've had in my life at least to just have honor and respect for each other, right? My dad uh, yesterday was riding in the Long Beach Marathon or something like that, and I told you I lived with Sarah's family when I was in high school because my parents um, uh, were just going through it, divorce and drama and all that kind of stuff, and I was like, look, I want to finish school, so you guys do what you're going to do, and I'm going to go live at her house. She got two camels. <laughs> but it was, it was interesting, you know. They loved me. Her, her father's name is Rick. Mother's name is Diane. I love them like a mother and father. It was different, you know, like living there. The food was different and all kinds of stuff. I was like, man, you white people are awesome, but it's different. <laughs> but after those years, you should see my mom and Diane when they're together. And the love and respect they have each other because it's a spirit of motherhood that goes beyond blood. Does that make sense? Yesterday, or Friday, when my dad was, was uh, setting up to go on his ride, he had to go down to Long Beach and get all the materials. And who walks up on him? Rick. And then he calls me. He's like, hey, I was hanging out with Rick. We talked for a half an hour because it's that same spirit of, of pouring into children, loving children, providing for them. And I'm telling you this morning, if there's one thing that you... you Leave out of here receiving mothers. That spirit is yours, and it's available. Just pray for it, and then obtain it, and then use it. It doesn't have to be your own kids. Pour it into somebody else's kids, right? If it wasn't for them, uh, I know God still would have saved me, man, but it would have been even rougher than it was, right? I was able to go off to college because of that. I was able to have a place to come back home. My parents were able to get some peace knowing that their son was at least going to be alive and not living in the streets, right? Because somebody else had the spirit of motherhood that they were willing to share with somebody that wasn't blood. There's a lot of people who are hurting that can use that spirit, right? Last thing. In the end, both of these mothers that we looked at this morning, they lost their children to Satan and to the world and to death. Physically, they lost them. Think about that. God blessed them. He favored them. He, uh, Mary got pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Uh, Sarah, excuse me, uh, Elizabeth in her old age. And they raised these kids that became all these amazing things. And you know what? At the end, the world got them. And they died. But it was just a physical death. It wasn't a spiritual death. I want to encourage you, as the Lord continues to remove reproach and take these burdens away from us, I want you to remember that the, the mother's most important job is to get their children into eternity. They've got to heaven. Mother, it doesn't matter if they make a lot out of themselves. It doesn't matter if they have good jobs, if they get education, if they get a few dollars, if they're able to get a wife and a husband, if they're able to have children of their own. None of that matters. What matters is you need to help them get into heaven. You need to teach them about Christ. You need to teach them about eternity. You know why uh, uh, Elizabeth, even why she had her child at the end and how she was able to survive what, what her son had to endure? Imagine the ridicule that he had to go through. Imagine him being ostracized. Imagine him later on in his life having his cut, head cut off. That's how her son died after all this. John the Baptist had his head cut off. But you know what his mother knew? That she was saved and that he was saved and that they'd spend eternity together. Jesus was crucified on a cross with his mother having to watch. But you know what she knew? That he would be in heaven and that she would be in heaven. That's the ultimate goal of a mother. You can screw everything up, but keep fighting to get that right. Is that like encouraging? Does that sound encouraging? <laughs> what did you guys preach on this Sunday? Pastor said I can screw everything up as long as my kid goes to heaven. But it's true. You can mess everything up. You can, you can be... All kinds of things throughout the history of your life, but your job is never over. Your kids will always listen. Even when they act like they're not listening, they will listen to you. And you need to keep praying for them, right, that they would know who the Lord is and that they would spend eternity in heaven. Amen? Amen. Why don't we stand? Actually, why don't you sit? Worship team, come. I just want the mothers to stand. If you're a mother in this place, first, the physical mothers, the blood mothers, you burst somebody into the world. Think back to the pain Think back to the pregnancy. Think back to the morning sickness. 
and the cravings. We haven't had a child in four years and Mary still craves Oreos. <laughs> cravings last. Got a lot of mamas in the house. A lot of mamas in the house this morning. Amen. Yeah, we can give them a hand. Give them a hand. So, I want to pray just one thing for you guys. My prayer for all of you moms is that the Lord would continue to remove reproach, right? So, in Elizabeth's life, she had this burden on her. She had this reproach. She had this, this way that, that she, was, uh, she was looked at because of her situation, not becoming a mother. And I think one of the things God just really put heavy on my heart was that, again, just mistakes been made in the past, areas where you feel like you could have done better, areas where you feel like, um, you know, some of the suffering maybe or the difficulty that some of your children may be experiencing somehow uh, is going to be a burden you have to carry for the rest of your life. I want to encourage you this morning that that's not from the Lord. That's not from the Lord. He will continue to remove reproach. He will continue to have you be seen by others the way that he sees you. You don't have to focus on others. Elizabeth, again, she didn't go out there and prove herself to everybody. What it was is she allowed the Lord to tell her who she was, and that helped her endure for all those years. And then later on, the Lord showed the world who she really was. She's a mother, right? So for you, I pray that if you're carrying a burden, that this morning you'd lay it down. It's Thursday. The whole world gets to honor you guys. But I really hope that you would hear from the Lord this morning that uh, if you've been carrying a burden that you're not supposed to be carrying, just lay it down today. Lay it down today. We all make mistakes, but the whole point is that we serve a God who doesn't. The whole point is that no matter what mistakes you make, God is going to work those things out for good. He didn't ask you to be perfect. He didn't ask you to never make a mistake. He didn't ask you to be everything for your children. Hear this this morning. God did not ask you to be everything for your children. He wants to be everything for your children. So stop carrying that burden around. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray that for you guys this morning. And then the other prayer is for the spirit of motherhood, right? So for the, even the young women who are here, those who have been a mother to others in some way, why don't you guys stand with us too? If you want that spirit, if you believe that spirit, if you believe that somebody can use you and wants to use you, People may be looking to you for that already. Just stand with us. Hallelujah, Lord. <clears throat> you guys deserve more honor and praise than I can give you and the church can give you today. But look around. The men are outnumbered. The fathers are outnumbered, right? So when we see them go pro and they don't say we love you, Dad, we know why. <laughs> when we see them get into heaven and they don't look back and say, it was Dad. They say, thanks, mom. <laughs> we know why. The men are going to rise up. There's going to be more men who will become uh, like Zacharias to do what he's supposed to do with strong women behind them. But today, man, we're thankful for you women who pray us in, who love us, who continue to provide for us. Lord, this morning, we ask that you would bless these women. Continue call them highly favored and blessed amongst women, Lord God. As we give them just a flower as our token of appreciation, something that's beautiful, something that blooms, something that the world can see, Lord, that we can even smell the aroma of something so sweet and so precious, Lord God, remind them that more than that to you, Lord God. That they are partners, chose them to partner with you to bring life into the world, Lord. And then you choose them, Lord God, to lead us out of death and into eternal life, God. Strengthen them, encourage them, Lord God. Bless them, take their burdens, Lord, of past decisions, Lord God. Things that weigh on them, Lord. Things that they, for whatever reason, they can't stop thinking about it. They can't stop regretting it, Lord God. Let them honor you and give you glory for what you've done in the midst, Lord God. That they're strong enough to keep going. That this very morning, Lord, when they could be overcome, this very morning when they could have given up already, they could have quit, they could have went back, Lord God. They find themselves like the women in the video, sitting in the car and encouraging themselves, Lord God. Sitting in the shower and saying, I've got to get out and keep going, Lord God. Sitting outside of situations and circumstances that those that they love the most, Lord, they wish 
they weren't going through. But they find a strength. They find something inside that allows them and encourages them to keep going. We believe this morning that what's inside of them is your Holy Spirit. More powerful than they know, Lord God. Remove them from the equation, Lord. Too little to have any impact, Lord God, or too much that causes death and destruction, Lord. You be all that they need, Lord God. Fill them with your spirit afresh and anew, Lord God. Open the eyes of their husbands. Open the eyes of the fathers, Lord God. Open the eyes of the children that we would see them for what they are, that we would see them for who you say they are, Lord God. We thank you for all of them, Lord, those who are here in this building and those that are not this morning, God. We love you and we love them. Just bless them, Lord God. Encourage them today, Lord God. Let the lunches that they have, the presents they receive, the flowers they get, Lord God, let it be multiplied a hundredfold in their hearts. We love you and we thank you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.